We're in a strange place. I mean, it's almost becoming a cultish thing, isn't it? Almost. How'd that happen, Senator Corker? Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. Maybe you shouldn't vote for him once in a while. Just saying. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. Although quitting the Senate and is good I'm too. How I'll get down the That'll teach him. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yep. Yes, I'm stuck in the From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ and in Cottage Grove on Queso. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU. Columbus, Ohio's WGRN, Palinville, New York, WLPP. Grand Rapids, Michigan's WPRR. New Orleans, WHIV, Gallup, New Mexico's KNIZ, in Concord, New Hampshire on WNHN, in Fayetteville, Arkansas on KPSQ, in Seattle, Washington on KODX, Red Bluff and Redding, California's KFOI, Round Mountain, California's KKRN, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM950 KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day for your listening pleasure. On the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR Revolution 99, Workforce Rising, and Detour Talk, not to mention all fine podcast download sites near you. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, all-around swell fellow, says me. From bradblog.com. Um, well, let's start with some good news. I am uh, Desi Doy, and I'll explain in a second, but I am questioning all of my life choices. <laughs> oh, I'm going to get to that in a second, but let me try to cheer everybody up, myself up, with some great news because returning to Washington on Wednesday, President Donald J. Trump declared on Twitter that everybody can now feel much safer. There is no longer a nuclear threat from North Korea. Oh, wow. He said, yep. Okie dokie then. He said, quote, we can all sleep well tonight. So, yay, we fixed that problem. <laughs> oh, oh, he fixed that he problem. He fixed it. Whoever did it, we're just grateful. We're thankful. That was easy. Uh-huh. Uh, that even as some Democrats and some Republicans uh, grow increasingly skeptical about what actually happened, what actually was accomplished, if anything, in Singapore at uh, Trump's summit with North Korean leader Kim Jong-un. But those are just naysayers. Uh, Trump also declared that our nation's biggest threat was not North Korea or ISIS or anybody else, but instead our country's, quote, our country's biggest enemy, he said, is the media. Oh, yeah. Okay, then. Or or the fake news, as he calls us, but Which is uh, we are apparently our own country's greatest enemy. He said uh, they are fighting hard to downplay the deal with North Korea. Five hundred days ago, they would have begged for this deal. Looked like war would break out. He tweeted, "Yes, it looked like war would break out because you were threatening war, you idiot." But anyway, uh, we, with that problem out of the way, we're not even going to deal with that today. We can move on to other things because it's all been solved. It's all good. 
Uh, and as I said, uh, especially over the last 24 hours or so, Des, I, I'm now beginning to question all of my life choices. <laughs> okay. I am. I'm questioning my very being today. You want to know why? Yes, please. Because <laughs> I think that uh, I agree with uh, all the page. What? I agree with Paul LePage. I agree oh with Maine Governor Paul LePage. Paul LePage is right, and this has made me question my very existence. He's right, at least in part, so uh, on something, uh, at least when it comes to ranked choice voting. And I can't believe I agree with Paul LePage on anything. I'll, I'll explain. On Tuesday, there were primary elections that were held in Maine, Nevada, North Dakota, South Carolina, and Virginia. And Wisconsin also had some special elections for its state legislature. That's Governor Scott Walker there had been trying to hold off until November, and apparently for good reason. I'll get to that in a bit. But, uh, all right, the uh, you, I, you know I have long called Paul LePage. The nation's dumbest governor. Yes, for good reason. Perhaps the dumbest governor in the nation's history. Uh, he has said that uh, wind turbines only work because there's a secret motor inside that make the blades go around to yeah. make everyone think they're making energy. This is just a, a, among a list of the uh, incredibly dumb things that he has said and he's done in his two terms as Maine's governor. He's also a racist. You'll recall that he uh, said the uh, state's drug epidemic overdose uh, problem was due to guys named D-Money and Smoothie and Shifty who come up from Connecticut, New York, sell their heroin, then go back home, and half the time they impregnate a young white girl before they leave. Remember him? Remember Paula Page? Hard to forget him. So, uh, but on the issue of ranked choice voting, he is mostly right, and I hate to say it. In an interview on Tuesday in the middle of Election Day, Governor LePage was asked about ranked choice voting, which was used on Tuesday in Maine. And it's still being used because it's so difficult to count under ranked choice voting. It's going to take several days to figure out who actually won or lost some of these races. It's being used for the first time in Maine in a in anywhere in the country in a statewide election for the first time in our history. So LePage, who won his... Uh, his own two terms as governor with less than a majority vote each time because a third party candidate siphoned off a lot of the votes against this crazy Republican. And thus, without that third party candidate, he, he most likely would have lost both races if ranked choice or if ranked choice voting was in use at the time. He probably would have lost. Anyway, he was asked about ranked choice voting or RCV or instant runoff voting. IRV, as they call it. He was asked about that on Tuesday, and he called ranked choice voting the most horrific thing in the world. Maine people continually to be snookered by out-of-state big money and out-of-state people. We had ranked choice voting for a period of time, and Joshua Chamberlain, Governor Chamberlain, got rid of it because it was not working. Why bring something back that didn't work? So will you certify this election? I will probably not certify the election. I will leave it up to the courts to decide. So uh, he called ranked choice voting the most, what do you say, the most the horrific, most horrific th in the world. in the thing in the world. Yes. Okay. 
I, I don't agree with him. It's not the most horrific thing in the world. I can think about just about everything else in the world being more horrific than uh, RC rank choice voting. But the sentiment, I hate to say it, I agree with him. At least in part. And I know it'll drive many of my progressive listeners uh, crazy, folks who support ranked choice voting. Sorry, but I got to call them like I see them, even if it means I have to agree with Paula Page in part a little on something. Anyone who follows this show or bradblog.com over the years should know how difficult it is for us to accurately count and oversee regular, straight, one plus one plus one tallies in elections, never mind the counting, uh, the, the rounds, the many rounds, the algebra, the cryptic math, the computers, the centralized tallies that are needed in order to accomplish ranked choice voting. More on that in a second. As Vox.com uh, notes, Maine's uh, Republican Governor Paula Page has threatened not to certify the results of Tuesday's primary elections in Maine because the state is using this new voting system. As Maine uh, voters head to the polls, uh, they noted yesterday to uh, cast ballots in the nation's first statewide election using ranked choice voting, also known as instant runoff voting. LePage sat down for an interview during which he called the new voting system the most horrific thing in the world. That left Maine and saying that he would probably not certify the elections. As you heard, he would leave it up to the courts to decide. Well, that left Maine's other state officials scrambling to figure out what to do next in the middle of an election day. Now, even if LePage follows through on his threat, according to Vox, Maine Secretary of State Matt Dunlap told the uh, Portland Press-Herald after consulting with the state attorney general that the governor does not need to actually certify state elections when they are primary elections. Dunlap said it has to be certified. The question is whether he does it or whether I do it. We're trying to figure that out now. But it looks like the governor is not needed to certify a primary election. Uh, although he will be uh, needed constitutionally to proclaim the results of a referendum. But that's a yes-no answer, any ballot referendum, so ranked choice voting wouldn't come into question there because there will always be either yes or no that gets a majority of the choices. So, uh, But LePage, they note, also incorrectly stated that Maine previously had ranked choice voting, but they didn't. Uh, this was back in the 1880s. Uh, then Governor Joshua Chamberlain, who you heard him mention, uh, got rid of it, he said. Uh, in fact, the Portland Press-Herald was quick to point out that, uh, and you'll be shocked to learn, that LePage had his historical facts wrong and uh, was apparently referring to a disputed election for governor back in 1880, not one that included ranked choice voting. Maine's adoption of ranked choice voting, uh, which they did in 2016, I believe it was, uh, is largely seen as a rebuttal to LePage. He was elected in 2010 with less than 40 percent of the vote and then four years later with less than 50 percent. So if you don't know what ranked choice voting is and what all of this is about, the New York Times explained it actually in about the best and simplest language that I have heard for how ranked choice voting actually works or is supposed to work. They noted this will be Maine's first election using ranked choice voting, which voters approved in 2016 under this system, also known as instant runoff voting. 
Voters rank the candidates in order of preference. If no candidate receives a majority of the first place votes, the last place candidate's votes are then redistributed to his or her voters' next choices. And then they count again until someone and and see if someone gets a majority, breaks 50 percent at that point. If they don't, then they take out the whoever came in last in that count and redistribute their votes until they get one candidate with 50 percent. As they noted on their election results page, uh, AP was only going to call winners for the first round of tabulation under this system. If additional rounds were required to determine a winner, final results would not be available for a few days because that's how confusing this is and how long it takes to oversee and count and so on and so forth. Now, I know that many listeners... And progressives out there, a lot of also third party folks, libertarians, Green Party, they like RCV and I am sympathetic to the reason that they are sympathetic to it. Uh, For one, it helps to eliminate that spoiler effect. Uh, For one, uh, you know, this the fear of voting for a third party candidate because it'll result in someone like Paul LePage winning the election, uh, which has now happened twice in Maine. Many would like to see ranked choice voting so that they could, for example, vote for a Jill Stein for president or Ralph Nader in a third party. But um, but they would mark the Democrat or the Republican as their second choice under ranked choice voting. Right now, many people are afraid to vote for third party because they think it'll throw the election to someone they really, really hate. But if you speak to voters and candidates where Ranked choice voting has been used in the past. Many of them are wildly confused about how it actually works or doesn't. I have spoken with candidates who have run for office under the system who have no idea how they actually lost their race. There are cases where candidates that did not even win a plurality of the first choice end up winning office. I think I saw one case where someone who came in last in the first count or something like that or near last ended up winning the race. It's very confusing. And, you know, it also, by the way, requires uh, central tabulation computers. It can't be tallied at the precinct. You have to use you have to get all the ballots together in one place to figure this out. And it's almost impossible for the public to oversee because the computers have to figure out all of the numbers. And if you cannot watch a computer tallying a ballot inside the computer... You can't really oversee it. You you can't oversee. You can't tell if the computer counted it correctly. And that's the problem that we have with the way we do it in most places currently. You can't see it. The public fights to make sure that the computers counted it correctly. And now you're going to add all of this crazy algebra? That's nuts. You know, like I say, always, if we can't add 1 plus 1 plus 1 now uh, to the point where we have one disputed election after another, just wait until ranked choice voting catches on as many progressives would like to see. Of course, those are many of the same folks, the very same folks, by the way, who also wanted touchscreen voting systems after the 2000 presidential election. So, you know, what some want for short-term political gain or reform may not be all that well thought out. So I'm just throwing that warning here. And now I, I am nothing if not willing to compromise on things. Help everyone get along. So to that end, I always recommend the folks look at the alternative called approval voting, which is much simpler. People can just vote yes or no 
for as many candidates as they like, the one with the most yes votes win. Simple. And that's called, again, approval, approval voting. voting. You can look it up at Wikipedia, but it's it's simple. You just Basically, you just vote for as many people as you like. Whoever gets the most votes win. It's easy to count. It's easy to oversee. It doesn't require computers. It can be hand-counted. It doesn't require crazy math. It allows you to vote for your third-party choice and anybody else you like without the risk of the spoiler effect and so forth. So anyway, I'm not advocating for approval voting, but I'm offering it out there as an acceptable, workable compromise to those who are pushing for ranked choice voting or instant runoff voting. And yes, I'm still furious and disappointed that I am being forced to agree with Paul LePage <laughs> on this, just that very narrow point. As to results of note out of Maine, the Republican primary to replace the term limited Paul LePage, that resulted in a 56.4% win so far for the uh, Republican Sean Moody in a uh, four-person field there. So RCV will play no role in that contest. However, on the Democratic side where Democrats are hopeful they'll be able to flip the uh, governor's mansion from red to blue this fall after eight long years under the dumbest governor in the nation. On the Democratic side, there are seven candidates with the who ran on Tuesday, with the current top vote-getter receiving just 33% as of now. So it's going to be several days of math and computations and uh, everything else to figure out who, uh, you know, the, the second and third and fourth choices, etc., until a winner is finally declared. Will it be the actual winner? Will it be the one who received the most first place votes? Well, that we won't know for uh, several days, if ever. The other twist in the Tuesday election in Maine is that ranked choice voting itself was on the ballot again in an initiative calling for its implementation, uh, planned implementation for this fall to be put off until 2022 so it would not be used in the next presidential election in Maine. On that, however, Maine voters on Tuesday reaffirmed that they want to overhaul their state's election system and move to this ranked choice voting. The uh, move is likely to increase the national momentum behind the move to Ranked choice, which has seen a surge of uh, interest uh, across the country in recent years, by 55 to 44 percent, reportedly, Mainers approved the ballot referendum that does away with uh, winner-take-all plurality-style voting in favor of a system that reformers, uh, some anyway, some reformers, as uh, TPM said, not this reformer, some reformers uh, believe gives voters more choices and stronger voice in selecting candidates to represent them. According to the election group Fair Vote, which has led the fight for uh, IR instant runoff voting, ranked choice voting, so forth, uh, for many years now, the system helps restore majority rule by ensuring that candidates who are opposed by a majority of voters can never win. For the record, Fair Vote has uh, called folks like me McCarthy-esque for opposing ranked choice voting and pointing out that Fair Vote has refused to condemn the use of 100% unverifiable touchscreen voting systems in elections. Uh, they don't want to do away with computers in elections because they know they are needed to do this fancy math, and they actually used to make money. I don't know. They still may uh, as uh, private election vendors running 
RCV elections on 100% unverifiable computers, so they have a dog in that hunt. And when folks like me called them out uh, for that, we were called McCarthy-esque. Um, of course, the same systems that Fair Vote supports continue to fail for voters in one election after another. I mentioned quickly some problems in Nevada, the primary there on yesterday's show, according to the Las Vegas Journal Review, which, as usual, downplayed those problems as just some hiccups in Nevada's statewide primary on Tuesday. There were uh, what they call anecdotal reports of equipment problems early in the day at some voting centers. Volunteers and voters uh, at the Trails Community Center in Summerlin experienced computer problems shortly after polls opened. In some instances, the personal information of a voter checking in uh, checking in one machine would show up on a tablet that another voter was using. Wait, what? Yes, they would. Uh, this is with their new fancy. They got a fancy new system. Okay. And uh, it uses a tablet to check you in, electronic poll books. And they said in some instances, one voter uh, would, would check in on the tablet and their information would show up on someone else's tablet. Okie dokie then. Things are going well there. This is the uh, first time they're, they're using this system in Nevada. They've been using 100% unverifiable touchscreen systems for years. They're now replacing it with an all-new 100% unverifiable touchscreen system. There were reports of ballots with candidates already selected when they appeared on computer screens. A caller told the uh, Re Review Journal that a volunteer told him to just uncheck the pre-selected names and check his preferred candidates instead. A voter reported a similar problem at another school in Henderson, saying he received a Republican ballot instead of the Democratic ballot uh, as he was supposed to, and that the candidates had already been selected on that ballot. Wow, so why on earth would anybody program a computer to pre-select candidates. Well, uh, we're beginning to learn uh, some more information on that today. This okay, was uh, from uh, just a little bit, though. Uh, this was from uh, yesterday's uh, review journal uh, where the voter said that a volunteer shut down the terminal at that point, took him to another. The Reno Gazette Journal uh, reported a technical error caused problems for up to half the people who voted in the first two hours that polls were open on Tuesday morning. One voter said he had to try three different cards in the machine and several different machines before his vote would go through. In Washoe County, the registrar there um, told the newspaper that the machines had malfunctioned because the time programmed on the voting cards did not match the time on the voting tablets. Whatever that means, that's odd and curious and disturbing. Uh, one polling location manager uh, says that it's the first time using these new voting machines. They expect to have all the kinks worked out before the general election in November. Feel better? Uh, Washoe County voters reported uh, the names of some candidates did not show up at all initially on their ballots at some of the polls where they're using these new systems. County Registrar uh, Deanna Spicula confirmed on Tuesday that there were just a, quote, handful of, quote, voter display problems reported where voters didn't see a complete list of candidates on the ballot for certain races. 
on these brand spanking new systems that Nevada just spent millions of dollars for, the Dominion Image Cast system. Yes. Okay, so she calls it a handful, just and a handful. yet it affected half of the voters in the first two hours. That's more than a handful, well, it seems yeah, to me. Well, yeah, but of course we're trying to figure out <laughs> what did and didn't happen if it was a handful. You know, of course, if it's a quiet uh, a precinct, a quiet primary day, not a general election, only a few people come, well, it might only be a handful of people who are affected. But these same systems are being used all across the state now. And they will again this November for the general election. Specula said the uh, problem was not limited to any particular uh, party. She says in some cases the the size of the text on the screen was too large for all the names to appear on the screen. That said, I've seen screenshots showing an actual candidate missing. It wasn't like they scrolled off the screen or something. Uh, yes, as I do understand it, however, there is a more button that you sometimes have to notice and hit on the image cast system in order to show you all of the candidates in a race when there's a lot of them there. Uh, what could go wrong with that system? Uh, uh, Nevada election officials say that Clark County experienced some of the same problems that Washoe County voters reported with names of some candidates failing to be displayed on the voting machines at a limited number of polling places says AP, so you don't have to worry. Secretary of State uh, spokesperson Jennifer Russell says she doesn't know how many voters uh, in the area were affected, um, but she originally called it an isolated incident hmm. until it started happening all over. Um, and um, the Reno Gazette Journal confirmed the reports from AP that uh, these candidates were, in fact, being left off the primary election ballots in some places. They heard complaints from voters who said the new voting machines offer them a previous voters' candidate choices, potentially giving them a chance to cast a ballot in races that they are not eligible to vote in. Uh, which is... <laughs> The I, I know this is just blows my mind. The issue, uh, according to the uh, secretary of state, said uh, stem from machines that hadn't finished firing up before poll workers removed their poll cards from the previous voter, leaving a backlog on the machine. A backlog where those backlog ballots cast at all. Who knows? The registrar in Washoe County said that all ballots were successfully cast. At the polls, I guess successfully being a, a relative word in this context, the uh, Secretary of State confirmed through a spokeswoman that similar issues also surfaced in Clark County. Now, keep in mind, this is a state where the most closely watched U.S. Senate race will be held this November, where GOP Senator Dean Heller, who, by the way, is the former Secretary of State who violated state law as the Secretary of State in order to move the state to 100% touchscreen systems in the first place back in 2004, as we reported exclusively here at bradblog.com years ago based on FOIA requests that uh, found that the systems that he was declaring as working beautifully were actually failing in lab tests and had not been certified at the federal level, and he went ahead and approved them for use anyway, which is against the law in Nevada. That's Dean Heller. He's now a U.S. senator. He's going to be running. He's uh, in in what Democrats think 
they uh, the the most likely Senate seat that they can flip this November. He'll be running against Jackie Rosen in what Dems think is their best pickup opportunity this year to uh, win back the U.S. Senate. So what could possibly go wrong this November? So that's just some of the the so-called glitches that showed up in Nevada. But you know what? Uh, on just one voting system. But let's, you know, by all means, let's move to ranked choice voting to make all of this even more confusing. To assure that the public never actually knows for certain who won or lost anything. That should work out great for our clearly fragile democracy. Speaking of which, we'll take a quick break and we will come back with some uh, some actual results from our uh, democracy on Tuesday, like those out of Wisconsin, where Governor Scott Walker tried to stop Tuesday's two special elections from happening at all. And as it turns out, for good reason. I'm Brad. This is the Bradcast. Five major corporations now control more than 80 percent of the media in the United States, but they don't control us. The Bradcast and the Green News Report are 100 percent independent, 100 percent listener supported. But we can't do it alone. We need you. Please help us bring real facts to listeners at independent stations around the nation. You can make a difference. Support independent media. Drop by bradblog.com donate. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. One more note from the Reno Gazette Journal on the problems in Nevada. This is from uh, an email that the Secretary of State's office sent to the uh, Gazette Journal. Quote, technically, there is no evidence that votes were affected. Okie dokie. Yes, How there is they? no evidence that votes were affected because there is no actual evidence that ah. votes were uh, recorded accurately in any way, shape, or form at all on these brand new systems that they're using in Nevada. Megan Badera of Reno told Facebook, uh, took to Facebook uh, and she wrote, quote, I'm a tech-savvy millennial. I'm not afraid the machine is going to eat my ballot. That changed about an hour ago. I'm just glad I stopped and questioned rather than let it go. She had problems voting there as well on those machines. Remember when they used to say that this was all just because, oh, young people get it, but older people, they can't use these machines. They're, they're, they're afraid of computers. All right. Anyway, enough of that. Let's talk about some actual results on Tuesday. Um... Up in Wisconsin, Democrat Caleb Frostman won the special election for Wisconsin State Senate District 1, giving Democrats their 43rd legislative pickup since Donald Trump was elected president back in 2016. That, according to Carolyn Fidler, uh, who tracks such things for Daily Coast elections, the seat strongly leans Republican. The district does. It voted by a margin of 18 points for Donald Trump over Hillary Clinton back in the 2016 presidential race. It had voted for tw by 23 points for Republican Governor Scott Walker back in his 2014 race for governor. But on Tuesday, Frostman won the district 51-49. That would be a 21-point swing 
from Donald Trump's uh, victory back in that district back in 2016. According to the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, Frostman will be the first Democrat to represent the Northwest Wisconsin district in more than four decades. Wow. A win that they said Democrats are hailing as more evidence of a so-called blue wave ready to flip more Republican-held seats in elections later this year. What could possibly go wrong there? The race was one of two Wisconsin legislative special elections that very nearly did not happen, thanks to Governor uh, Scott Walker's fear of losing. Losing long-held Republican seats to Democrats. Back in December, you'll recall, Walker started noticing the trend of Democratic success in special elections, so he came up with a great idea to not hold them at all anymore. Rather than risk losing special elections for these two legislative seats, which uh, became vacant when Walker himself appointed these two legislate legislators to uh, jobs in his administration. Instead, he tried to keep them empty, leave their residents without representation in the state capitol for nearly a year instead of calling special elections to replace these two as required by state law. They were both Republican seats and he suddenly got scared for some reason. He had good reason to worry. In January, Democrats flipped a historically and solidly Republican state Senate seat from red to blue in a special election. That district had swung almost 30 points from Donald Trump's uh, 17-point margin back in 2016 uh, to a 10-point victory for Democrats in January. That led Walker to freak out on Twitter, called the election a wake-up call in all caps. So, you know, he meant it a wake up call for Republicans, he said over and over again on Twitter. And then in April, progressive judge Rebecca Dallet pulled off a big 56 to 44 statewide win for an open seat on the state Supreme Court, uh, demolishing Walker's handpicked right wing candidate uh, for that seat. Democrats sued Scott Walker to follow the state law and to call these special elections, which he refused to do to fill those uh, legislative seats that he wanted to leave vacant. He, however, was smacked down by a state court judge that he himself had appointed. (laughs) Well, that's a bit of good irony there. The uh, response from Walker, instead of calling the elections at that point, was to uh, get his cronies in the state legislature to call a special session in order to change the law itself, to ram through a change to state law so that he would not have to call the elections at all. That effort was also smacked down by the courts after voters had sued. Walker finally had to call Tuesday's elections. Uh, And with uh, Dems flipping that state uh, Senate seat now, they only need to pick up two more seats this November to finally put the brakes on the Walker agenda in the uh, state Senate. He's up for re-election himself this year. It would be his uh, third term as governor. Democrats have already identified two state Senate seats that they see as flippable this fall in order to change the majority in the Senate. In the other the other special election uh, on Tuesday in Wisconsin, however, a state assembly district, the Republican candidate there, John Plumer, was able to hang on to his uh, to that seat by a fairly comfortable eight point margin. So it's not all bad news for the GOP in Wisconsin. That said, it was a highly gerrymandered uh, GOP assembly district. It was previously won by Republicans by 17 points. 
back in 2016. Uh, on Tuesday, they won it only by eight points. So that's about a 10 point swing towards the Democrats there. So Walker is worried uh, for good reason about his party's growing unpopularity as they move to the hard Trump right. And uh, that was evident elsewhere as well across the country on Tuesday in a big Virginia race. Republican Corey Stewart, uh, known for his defense of Confederate symbolism, he won the Republican primary to face Democratic Senator Tim Kaine this fall. He won the U.S. Senate primary. Stewart surprised and frankly terrified many last year by nearly winning the uh, Republican nomination for governor in Virginia. But now he has won the Republican nomination for the U.S. Senate. He was the top aide to uh, Trump's presidential campaign in Virginia in 2016. He was fired, however, for staging an unauthorized protest of the Republican National Committee, who he had accused of inadequately defending Donald Trump after the release of the Access Hollywood tape where Trump had bragged about groping women as a candidate for governor in 2017. Corey Stewart spoke out against removing Confederate monuments, including the Robert E. Lee statue that uh, prompted a deadly protest in Charlottesville last year. He called efforts to remove the monuments, quote, an attempt to destroy traditional America. He said he planned to wage a, quote, vicious campaign against Senator Tim Kaine this fall. Uh, On Wednesday, Donald Trump endorsed Corey Stewart the Confederate-loving Republican nominee, uh, even as the head of the National Republican Senatorial Committee, Senator uh, uh, Cory Gardner of Colorado, said that uh, they have, quote, no plans to endorse the Republican nominee for the U.S. Senate from Virginia. The NRSE, the National Republican Senatorial Committee, which is uh, tasked with helping Republicans win U.S. Senate elections say they have no plans to endorse the nominee from the great uh, state, uh, the uh, Commonwealth of Virginia. It'll be interesting to see if that uh, that holds yeah, was, exactly. after they get attacked by the base exactly. for Give not supporting, not being sufficiently uh, supportive. Trumpy of, enough. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, they're going to. Uh, you watch. You watch. Uh, give them time. Uh, they'll endorse him. Uh, Trump will make them endorse him. This is now Donald Trump's party. Guys like Senator uh, Cory Gardner just haven't apparently figured that out yet, I guess. They they may have figured it out in South Carolina, however, where uh, then, as Slate describes it, uh, when then-Governor Mark Sanford admitted in 2009 to carrying on an extramarital affair under the guise of hiking the Appalachian Trail... Remember that? Boy, we were so much more innocent then. Yes. The uh, South Carolina Republican escaped with a censure and a resignation, though he remained popular enough to win back his old congressional seat just a few years later. But in 2018, Slate says he couldn't survive Donald Trump. Sanford, who is now a congressional incumbent, lost the GOP primary in the state's first district on Tuesday. Sanford appears to have lost his primary to state lawmaker Kate Arrington by a little more than four points. 
specifically 50.6% to 46.5%. Candidates in South Carolina need a majority of the vote in order to avoid a runoff uh, and win the nomination outright. But uh, he came up just 0.6% short uh, of of, uh, getting a runoff there. And if Sanford has any questions about that 0.6% that he reportedly was kept out of a runoff with, well, too bad, because guess what? South Carolina also still uses 100% unverifiable touchscreen voting systems across the entire state. So whether the results are right or wrong, no one will ever know. They're going to be the official results no matter what, because there's nothing. There is zero. Nothing to go back and count to make sure that the results accurately reflect the will of the voters there. Arrington, uh, who is who reportedly defeated Sanford, entered the race as a long shot, but she found success attacking Sanford because Sanford uh, had been mildly critical of Donald Trump effectively turning that primary into a referendum on the Republican president. Trump gave Arrington a late push with an endorsement on Twitter just hours before the polls closed on Tuesday, calling Sanford big trouble for Donald Trump. Sanford, until Tuesday, had previously never lost an election. He now becomes the second Republican congressman to be defeated in a primary this year by his own party, joining Congressman Robert Pittenger, who lost to a uh, pastor in North Carolina last month. But in that race, both candidates had sparred over who was the bigger fan of Donald Trump. The president didn't pick sides in that one. Sanford's race is the clearest example yet uh, of how a lack of loyalty to Trump can prove costly in a Republican primary slate charges in Alabama. Congresswoman Martha Roby, she failed to secure her nomination outright last week in uh, uh, primaries in Alabama, two years after she withdrew her endorsement of Donald Trump during the campaign after the release of the Access Hollywood tape. She had since re-embraced Donald Trump, but her primary challengers did not forget. They used her comments against her. And now she will need to survive a runoff in Alabama if she hopes to get the nomination to run again for her own seat this November. Similarly, in Virginia on Tuesday, uh, uh, Congresswoman Barbara Comstock, Republican Congresswoman, had a closer-than-expected race against her own challenger from the right, who had accused her of being a never-Trumper because she had previously called Trump boasting about sexual assault in that tape, quote, vile and disgusting. Oh, well, that was enough to earn (laughs) her uh, earn the wrath of the Republican base. That'll teach her, won't it? So listen, if you're if you're confused about this, if you're unclear about this, don't be. The Republican Party is now about loyalty to Donald Trump. Period. It is not about conservatism. It is not about any policies over any others. It is about loyalty to Donald Trump. As retiring Tennessee uh, Senator Bob Corker, he's retiring because he felt he was going to uh, lose uh, as a never Trumper. Instead of staying and fighting, he's uh, ducking out. And by the way, he's still voting with the president all the time. But he's acting like he doesn't like Donald Trump. Uh, And uh, now this thing, this loyalty now that is required in the party, 
Uh, he spoke about that today in remarks to reporters after uh, decrying his own party's fear of voting on an amendment. He was trying to let Congress approve uh, international tariffs that are currently set by the president now against our own allies in places like Canada on national security grounds that has insulted Canada a lot. Um, and so Corker says, let Congress approve any uh, any of these tariffs that are set by the president. Uh, but they won't even let his amendment come up for a vote. He compared his party, which would not allow an up or down vote on this otherwise popular amendment um, for fear of upsetting Donald Trump. He compared it to poking the bear. Uh, he was asked about this by reporters and compared his own party now correctly to a cult we're in a strange place. I mean, it's almost, uh, uh, you know, been a, it's becoming a cultish thing, isn't it? Um, and uh, it's, it's, uh, it's not a good place for any party to, to end up with a cult-like situation as it relates to, uh, to, to a president that uh, happens to be of purportedly of, a, of the same parties. So it's not becoming a cultish thing. It is a cultish thing. That's what the Republican Party now is. And anybody who hasn't figured that out, any Republicans who are still hanging in there, hanging in there with their party, or in the case of uh, Corker or Jeff Flake from Arizona, still voting with their party, saying, oh, we, we don't like the president, but uh, you know, giving thumbs up to all of his nominees... To his massive tax cuts. For, for judges, to his massive tax cuts. You know, they're they're playing along with that cult leader. All right. Uh, take a quick break. Uh, we'll come back. Oh, speaking of Canada, more on how uh, Donald Trump has ticked off the state, uh, the state, the country of Canada, our oldest friend, right after this. Uh, and more, if we have time. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. <laughs> Hey, this is Brad. Do you enjoy your non-corporatized, commercial-free Bradcast? Yeah, me too. But we need your help to stay that way. Please consider supporting the investigative blogging, broadcasting, and muckraking that we do here on the Bradcast and the Green News Report and bradblog.com with a donation. It's easy. Stop by bradblog.com donate and drop a few dollars in the tip jar. You can make a one-time contribution or an automatic monthly donation of any amount you like. It's easy. It'll take you about 60 seconds, and you'll help me and Desi stay on the air to continue our troublemaking and muckraking without the corporate influence of anyone. Got it? Thanks. Stop by bradblog.com donate to help us out today. No, they're not. No, they're not. Love that song. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Canada's House of Commons this week unanimously condemned the personal attacks on Prime Minister Justin Trudeau by U.S. President Donald Trump and his surrogates as the famously polite nation, as Reuters describes them, simmered over the weekend broadside by its U.S. ally. 
Lawmakers approved a motion that rejected, quote, disparaging ad hominem statements by U.S. officials who which do a disservice to bilateral relations. Reuters uh, reports that's their polite way of saying uh, these uh, these statements do not help. They do a disservice. Very I guess politely. I just can't believe that the, that they had to be pushed into making a referendum, making a vote that they have to condemn. And we've ticked off yeah. Canada enough oh that they goodness. would do this unanimously, by the way, in the House of Commons. It's a symbolic vote, but it's a vote of solidarity that came after uh, the day after the White House trade advisor, Peter Navarro, said, quote, there is a special place in hell for Prime Minister Trudeau for his, quote, bad faith diplomacy with Donald Trump as a dispute over trade escalated after we have slapped tariffs on uh, imported aluminum and steel coming in from Canada. Trump and his deputies took issue with uh, Justin Trudeau for telling a news conference at the end of the G7 that Canada would not be pushed around on tariffs and that uh, point that he had made several times prior to the G7. So it's unclear uh, why that would actually tick Donald Trump off when he already knew Justin Trudeau's position. While the agreement of legislators who are normally opposed on most fronts in Canada's House of Commons, the agreement between them was remarkable in and of itself. The anger also spread to pundits, officials, celebrities and ordinary citizens as Canadians vowed Consumer boycotts of American goods and brainstormed insults of Donald Trump on social media. Newspaper columnist John Iveson tweeted, Something strange and wonderful has been sparked by Donald Trump's dishonorable comments about this country. I think it might be a Canadian identity. Wow. Is emerging. Uh, so I'm sorry that, that was, that's what it had to take, it took, that it apparently. took the U.S. president being an idiot. So that was on Monday, and I'm certain it is totally a coincidence. But on Tuesday, the U.S. Department of Homeland Security announced a, quote, strengthened northern border strategy. As Newsweek describes, with tensions between the U.S. and Canada on the rise, the Department of Homeland Security has announced a strengthened northern border strategy that it claims will help, quote, combat terrorism and help facilitate travel and trade at its border with Canada. In a press release published on Tuesday, the DHS said its new strategy, quote, establishes a clear vision and concrete actions that will improve DHS's efforts to safeguard our northern border against terrorists and criminal threats, facilitate the safe and efficient flow of lawful cross-border trade and travel, and strengthen cross-border critical infrastructure protection and community resilience. I just can't believe that Donald Trump hasn't uh, promised a wall across the Canadian border that Canada would have to pay for. <laughs> yeah, but, but he'd have to also put a wall up there to keep people from crossing into Canada, from keeping trying to keep people from, in. Uh, yeah, from running away to yeah. Canada, yeah. So, I mean, how ridiculous is this? We cannot even get along with Canada. Well, it sounds like it's another pretext to back up Trump's claim that he must put these tariffs in on dairy products uh, because there's some national security issue with Canada, which, of course, everybody knows there isn't really. No. Uh, the uh, they, they did describe uh, in this uh, summary uh, U.S. and Canada as two friendly nations with a long history of social, cultural and economic ties. 
That said, the tensions between the U.S. and Canada are becoming increasingly fraught. Entirely generated by Donald Trump. Says you, I think it's because of those goddamn Canadians and their outrageous behavior. Their relentless politeness. <laughs> yes, I wish they'd knock it off. They need, need to start apologizing more. All right, uh, one more. This uh, Speaking about the ballot this November, um, don't know if you heard about this yet, Desi Doyen, but for the first time since before the Civil War, voters across California will decide in November on a proposal to split up the Golden State, potentially oh. remaking it into three new states. Oh, please. Now, what, now, why do you say that? We had David Ferris on the show, a, a strong progressive. He's got a new book out called about, uh, uh, titled Time for Democrats to Start Fighting Dirty. He called for California to be broken up into as many as seven states. An initiative dividing California pushed by Silicon Valley venture capitalist in capital investor Tim Draper received enough signatures to qualify for the November ballot. The Secretary of State's office confirmed late Tuesday afternoon supporters of the plan submitted more than 600,000 signatures. A random sample projects that enough of those signatures are in fact valid. Valid that the uh, measure can go before voters <clears throat> this November, setting up a campaign that is sure to attract a carnivalesque atmosphere and only in California chuckles from across the country, says the Bay Area News Group. Well, we'll see if they're still chuckling after we triple the number of U.S. <laughs> senators, California U.S. senators in the U.S. Senate. The proposal would split America's largest state into three states. California would be reduced to a uh, coastal strip running south from Monterey down to just south of Los Angeles. So we would still be in um, what is we'd still be in California proper, Desi Doyen. OK, we'd still be Californians if this ballot initiative should pass, if it goes through. Northern California would uh, would be the other uh, the other of the three new states called Northern California it would run from the Bay Area near San Francisco up to the Oregon border. And uh, another third state called Southern California would stretch from Fresno down to San Diego, not counting the coastal counties in the quote unquote state of California right. where we would be living. Mm hmm. Uh, the effort. Oh, you sound dubious. I am. Why you sound? So I, I don't sarcastic. think that this is dubious? very popular among the majority of uh, Californians. You know, it's a uh, 38 million. I think people live in California. This is only a very small 600,000 who signed on potentially to this petition, and I, I just don't think that it's going to be very popular. And I just don't think Californians want that to happen. Well, uh, you may be right. A poll conducted in April, according to the Mercury News, found that only 17 percent of registered Californian uh, voters favored the proposal. Seventy two percent opposed it. So uh, it would seem that it has no chance of passing. It would it would seem as unlikely to pass as the notion that Donald Trump could become president of the United States. 
That would never happen, right? Good point. Uh, even if approved by state voters, splitting up the state uh, still would require approval, however, from Congress, which is no easy thing in any Congress, much less this one. Voters uh, did approve breaking California up before, which I hadn't realized back in uh, into two states back in 1859. Voters approved that, but Congress did not. They never acted on that request. So we're all stuck in this same great state together, apparently. Well, I'm sure that the Senate might have some disagreement, especially being in control of the Republicans right if now, it to saying, in, hey, yeah. yeah, let's add some more Senate seats for California. Sure, no problem. Yeah, but you know what? If Republicans, ta- I'm sorry, if Democrats take over both houses of Congress, um, th- well, they may, Democrats would be very happy, I suspect, to have four additional U.S. senators until, say, later on when it comes back to bite them. Uh, yeah, but they they don't look at later on. They always <laughs> look at now, especially California Democrats. Um, the uh, an initial analysis suggests that northern the state of Northern California and California would remain reliably Democratic. Southern California would be a swing state. Mm-hmm. Draper had uh, previously pushed an effort to break California into six states, didn't get enough signatures to get that on the ballot back in 2016. Uh, he argues that the Golden State is uh, just ungovernable now at this point, that smaller states would be more efficient. It's too large. Dozens of other efforts to remake California have similarly failed over the years. There was... Uh, an effort to split off the uh, more conservative northern counties into a new state called Jefferson. And, of course, a bid for California to secede entirely from the U.S. Steve Maviglio, a Democratic political consultant who worked on a past campaign opposing the state's breakup, said that Draper's initiative was taking the wrong tack. He said splitting California into three new states will triple the amount of special interests, lobbyists, politicians, bureaucracy. Uh, And uh, he noted that uh, this measure is a massive distraction that will cause political chaos and greater inequality. Hey, we could use a bit of political chaos in this country. (laughs) Liven things up a bit. Yeah, things are a little too boring for you right now. I'm sure that Desi Doyen is right and that voters will turn this thing down in November. It looks like it will be on the ballot. Yikes. Just yes. Yikes indeed. All right. Yikes, we got to get out. My thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. It's always appreciated. If you missed any portion of today's show or any other, download it for free anytime at bradblog.com. Drop me email if you like. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com on the Facebooks and the Twitters. I hope you will follow me and uh, share our our work as well. We are, uh, I am the Brad Blog on Facebook and Twitter. And another reminder to those of you who listen to our show every day, who love it, who send me emails telling me how fantastic it is, but have failed to stop by bradblog.com slash donate to help us out. Reminder that we rely on you and only you to stay on your public airwaves, to produce uh, this as a podcast every day, to stream all across the country. We really do need your help. Bradblog.com slash donate. Thank you in advance. All right. Until we meet again, that's it. I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. (laughs) 